Support for 100 Watts in a Wire is provided by BioNO Power. If you're looking for a power solution, check out BioNO Power, offering the best performance lithium phosphate batteries for your ham radios. Visit BioNOPower.com. That's B I O E N N O P O W E R.com. Or contact dealers nationwide. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. An LDG desktop tuner works automatically with nearly any station up to 1,000 watts. LDG Zero Power Tuners are ideal for portable or mobile use, as they consume almost no current and can be powered by internal batteries that last up to a year. LDG Tuners are backed by our two-year fully transferable warranty and our legendary customer service the best in the industry. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Well, hello and welcome, friends. Uh, good morning, good evening. Depending on where you are watching or listening from, welcome to 100 Watts and a Wire. It's Christian, and um, man, we got a guest today. I'm, I'm really excited. And we're going to, um, we may have to turn down if there's a YouTube on. Let me bring Ryan in because if you're listening to your YouTube, Ryan, we might have to cut that down. But I'm going to bring him in here. There he is. See, I'm getting a little bit coming back. Do you have something open over there, Ryan? Like your YouTube? I think, I think that when I'm unmuted, when you speak, it comes out of my computer, but then it goes back through my mic. Yeah, that's what's happening. I probably should have advised headsets, your headphones, but it's okay. We'll push through. Do you have headphones nearby? I do, but I would have to go and grab them and connect them. Why don't you grab them? That way you won't make yourself crazy. I can, okay. do, can do that. You come back and I'll, I'll catch up with you. Uh, looking forward to introducing everybody to this young innovator who is doing some things that are just mind-boggling. And uh, while we have a moment... Everybody's saying to themselves, where is he? Where is Sidecar Steve? Is it true that you have fired him in lieu of a smart uh, young lady? And yes, it's true, but he's still like the cat is. He's got the key. I can't get the key from him. He lives too far. Yeah, I'm just a bad dream that shows up every day. Yeah, it's like you got to feed him. You got to cuddle but uh welcome back did you get that is that a new purchase from uh yes hawaii there yes you go. yep okay. and uh it's uh it's uh the set uh, here's a little bit just uh, what it is don't stand all yeah. the way up we got we got young people yeah. around yeah. here yeah and- i know <laughs> but i have a matching the same shirt uh for my uh, uh grandson dean so uh, Tata cool. and uh, Dean have matching shirts. So uh, I love so it. when we're out cruising around, uh, we'll uh, we'll be a pair. So well, welcome back. We it, certainly missed you. We have so you. much to catch up on, mm-hmm. and we'll do that in a little while right. after the news. And I know you're excited as much as I am uh, to meet Ryan. So I'm going to bring him in here. I believe we got the headset uh, sorted Perfect. out, and let's meet Ryan Honore now. It's almost like I have to figure out where I want to start with you because you're so accomplished. But let's I'll set it up a little bit and we'll go fill in some of the cracks. Around 2018, 
um, I mean, from 2018 to today, your life has really taken this sharp focus. And reading about you and learning about you, you know, 2018, you see these wildfires happening in Northern California. The hills look like your home. Um, and it set something off in you uh, because you figured out that within about a time, like six hours or so, this is kind of how people were being affected, killed, their homes were uh, burning up. So in your mind, you decided to create an, an early detection network. And this is kind of like, and I know you've been studying STEM and things like that in your school, and this is a, a passion of yours. But let me bring you in here, and we can pick it up in 2018, and you can talk about the fires and, and how you were moved uh, to start to develop this technology that would help firefighters. So I'm going to start first a little bit on why I even did this. So in November of 2018, the campfire in California killed over 80 people and caused almost $19 billion of damage. And the wildfire problems are only getting worse because six of the worst wildfire years in the past history of California have happened in the past 10 years. And this is not just California. It's a global problem. You can look at the Amazon and Australia wildfires. In Australia, they estimate over 3 billion animals slash insects might have been killed by those massive wildfires. I repeat, 3 billion. It's just heartbreaking. As you know, the problem with wildfires is that current solutions suffer from timeliness of response because either a human actually has to see the fire and call 911 or it has to go through weather satellites that are in space, which takes several hours. And these fires can travel at astonishing speeds of 10 to 15 miles per hour. So even one hour of early detection can make a massive difference so the fire can be contained before it becomes huge. Now I'm going to go on a little bit on how I did this. In early 2019, I thought of a network of sensors with wireless mesh networking that doesn't need any infrastructure such as Wi-Fi or power and is designed to operate in remote and fragile environments. It can be deployed exactly at high-risk locations such as near high-voltage electric equipment of power companies, which enables early detection. Keep in mind that anywhere between 70 to 90% of wildfires are man-made, either intentionally, like arson, or unintentionally, an accident. So in many occasions, we actually know where high-risk locations might be. Now, to continue about my solution, the sensor network can communicate with a mobile app in real time. I have three types of sensors detecting the three main signatures of fire, heat, smoke, and flame, or infrared. I also have many meteorologic stations that detect wind speed and direction, soil moisture, and so on. This can be used by the AI or artificial intelligence algorithms to predict the growth of the wildfire. I spent all of 2019 and 2020 developing the idea and creating a prototype network of sensors using the Raspberry Pi. I, did the, I also did the Python coding on the Raspberry Pi. I also developed a mobile app using JavaScript, and in the summer of 2019, I spent time at the UCLA AI lab with a family friend who was a PhD student in AI and machine learning. I realized that by leveraging machine learning, I can predict how the fire might actually grow. So using a JavaScript API, I captured data from Google Earth regarding the California campfire and trained my models 
and it was ultimately able to predict the fire growth with more than 75% accuracy. And I also won a bunch of awards that ultimately led to the Navy research grant, but I'll stop here to see what other questions you might have. Now, you may have questions in the chat as well. So that was a great setup. Thank you for that, Ryan. And I bet you people don't know about uh, the grant that came. I mean, if, if you're reading about Ryan, maybe you do know about that, but uh, he's got some interesting new partners now. <clears throat> the Navy Research Grant uh, is that that's over $100,000 <clears throat> for you to continue developing your plan, right? The first phase we completed, we got a grant of a total of $150,000. And after winning the second phase, we got a total of around $1.6 million. That's amazing. And you started a company called Sensory AI. What are some of your goals? You've got big goals. It's not like I want to just create this little thing. It's I want to save the environment. Talk more about that. So my personal passion is leveraging technology to solve environmental problems and making our planet more livable for all humans and animals together. I feel really bad, particularly for animals, because they're really innocent and I have no fault in this. However, us humans are still hurting them. And I feel that my duty is to help save these humans and animals and help our planet be a more livable and cleaner place. All right, thank you for that. A question uh, from our uh, chat here asked if you're a ham. And uh, the, the easy answer is not yet, but uh, we'll be talking about that as we go over your amateur radio license and how this may help and then maybe introducing you to all the technology that's been produced by uh, the amateur radio community. I read something where you said that you find that it's a responsibility of your generation uh, to take care of the environment. You want to talk about that some? Yes. Yeah, so my generation are the ones who will be affected most by these environmental problems. And once we grow up, and if we don't do anything about them, then they're only going to get worse and worse. Without our help, these environmental problems will become so bad to the point where they may even become unfixable. When I talk to people in my parents' generation, I feel a bit like they think of fixing these environmental issues as a luxury or an afterthought. But I think for my generation and for the sake of all humans and animals on our planet, it's going to be an existential issue. Let's talk a little bit about this first thing you, you created in 2018. There's some technology that was around you. You basically assembled your early wildlife detection of a lot of technical people here. Talk a little bit about how you stumbled upon this or how you went through your thought process of how this could possibly work as an app and maybe talk about how firefighters can use that app or your thoughts as you went into making that. So, I had the idea that, as I said earlier, all current solutions suffer from timeliness of response. So I thought of the idea that if my detectors, once one detector detects a fire, it can transfer the information from detector to detector until it eventually reaches my mini meteorological station, since they're all connected with mesh networking. And my idea was to solve that timeliness of response problem while still making it low cost and easy to deploy. So once that information is transferred from detector to detector and eventually to the mini meteorologic station, the mini meteorologic station will then predict where the fire may grow and send all that and 
send a warning notification to anyone who owns the app. So it can just be an app on the app store. And whoever is in the low in the area of which the fire may grow, then they might get a warning push notification that there is a wildfire coming your way. And it could also send a notification to the app, say it's for, say there's a firefighter owning the app, then they could see that the fire is going to grow this particular way so that they can go and set up in that area so the so they could stop this fire from spreading and then also have other firefighters and they have more time to do this other firefighters to go around and just put up the fire all together we're talking to ryan honoree my new best friend and future boss by the end of the hour i will be working for ryan that is my that's my personal goal for today uh you would talk about your number one is fire um detection of wildfires you want to talk about some of the other areas that you're going into too, and namely like the gas leak detention uh, or detection and things of that matter. Yes. So this can be used for many different applications. It can be used for oil and gas refineries, for example, but are you asking like how, what we are currently yeah, what like you're working on. Question? I I know that you are working with wildfires, and that was your initial uh, passion. And then I was going to talk about other areas of detection that you were going to study and try to develop the software or the uh, the platform. So, sensory AI is we're currently working on two projects. There is a. We're go we want to study the air quality impact of wildfires, and we also want to leverage drones for environmental disasters. Do you want me to go into a little bit more about those Yeah, two? I sure do. Go ahead. Okay. So for studying air the air quality impact of wildfires, we're going to look at PM2.5 air pollution from wildfire smoke, because while the actual fire impacts thousands of people, the smoke impacts millions of people. PM 2.5 particulate matter, which is smaller than 2.5 micrometers, is so small that it can enter the bloodstream via the lungs and it cannot be smelled or seen, and it can create a variety of health problems. In fact, a recent article by the Journal of Exposure Science and Environmental Epidemiology performed a study during the fires in August to September of 2020 in Reno, Nevada, and showed a direct link between exposure to wildfire smoke and a higher rate of COVID infection and a serious COVID symptoms. This is the topic of my, and by the way, this is the next topic of my blog article coming out next week. The research showed that, uh, and I quote, a 10 microgram per cubic meters increase in PM 2.5 concentration and the seven-day average increased the COVID positivity rate by 6.3%. So I started work with some scientists at the Environmental Protection Agency to look at their smoke sensors and see if I can use the same machine learning models I developed for wildfire growth prediction to be used to predict the growth of the smoke. Now for leveraging drones to prevent environmental disasters, we are interested in integrating a mobile sensor or known as a drone, into our sensor network, which are currently fixed sensors. The drone can fly around and look at various equipment 
And the machine learning algorithms can be trained to predict when certain equipment might need maintenance to prevent malfunctions and disasters. And this would enable the concept of predictive maintenance. Right now, maintenance is performed based on fixed schedules and predictive maintenance is performed when a device or equipment actually needs maintenance. We believe that this could save the US Navy as well as electric companies and oil and gas companies billions of dollars and prevent many environmental disasters. Thank you for that. Now, do you want to touch on the clean water protection? I, I, I have so many questions. I was just filling out my job application. People are thinking I'm, I'm uh, not telling the truth. I am coming to work for Ryan as soon as possible. And, and the big question is, how do you get your big brain into that head of yours? It's amazing, and I really uh, am inspired by your work do you do you feel that you you are behind the effort like you're crunched against time like people are looking at you and you're like 14 years old right and you're you're thinking in your mind i have so much work that i need to do do you feel like you're behind in where you want to go so i'm 13 almost 14 i'm turning 14 on november 10th and Sometimes I do feel like it may be a lot of work. However, I just think to myself that I'm not just doing this for myself. I'm doing it for all of humanity and animals. Because as I said earlier, like specifically animals, they have no fault in this. However, they're still being greatly harmed. Because, for example, the in the Australian bushfires, more than 3 billion animals and insects were killed. And that's just devastating. So whenever I may feel like I this is too much work and I may need a ton of time down, I just think of like the lives of animals and humans and how I really want to help them. And that's just a big motivator for me to keep on working and going and just to improve my project as a whole. Can you talk <clears throat> a little bit about your plans for your education? Clearly before... 2018 you were in school I'm sure you were doing STEM or STEAM programs maybe you could talk about your thoughts for your education and uh, the importance of those sorts of programs to young people so I go to the Pegasus school in Huntington Beach California and it's a private school and we take a couple of main classes plus electives And one elective that I also took was the science fair elective. And this elective is somewhere where you get to go and work on your science project or project. And whenever you have a question on, for example, how to write in your journal or how to make a daily notebook, then you can go and ask the teacher that's working there. And that was also helpful because it got my ideas and thoughts wrapped around also like what judges are looking for. Science competitions also did that, but so did science fairs because I got information from a teacher who has had previous students gone through science fairs. So that was also a really good and useful elective. And I also took a class at i also took two classes at the arden academy and two of them one of them was 
a coding class, and that's where I learned most of my coding. And then another one was also a research class, and that's where I learned some very big ideas. Like I learned that I need to make a journey, a journal of my daily ideas. So basically every single day after I was done working, I would go and write, all right, today I realized that this is a big problem in my project. And one way to solve this might be to do this. And then the next day I'll be like, all right, I got this working. However, I still can't get this part working. So it's like if someone reads through the journal, they can see your day-to-day process until you get to that science competition. We talked about how busy you are and your big plans and how you're progressing on those as a 13-year-old. Let's talk about some of the things you like to enjoy your downtime. I don't want anybody here to think that you don't enjoy doing other things. I know you like music. I know you like sports. Let's talk about some of your extracurricular things that you like to do. So I do love to play tennis. Uh, I think it's just a really fun way to get my energy out. And it's just a really fun thing to do in my free time. I also like listening to music. Also, I even listen to music when I work sometimes, even though some certain music's maybe a little distracting. I like to use certain music to help me work. And I also play the guitar. So that's also something I love to do in my free time. It's just, I feel like music is just natural to my ears and like I have to have it there. I also like to read, especially interesting books. It can be fiction or nonfiction, but especially nonfiction, I love reading about history and big events. I also like to go out and have fun, go out with my friends, maybe go to the park or something, play soccer. I just, I like to socialize, I'm a social kid, and I like the feeling of having someone to talk to and communicate with and share my ideas with. Well, that leads me to my next comment, because it sounds like you have a little bit of time for amateur radio. The amateur radio service and emergency communications and all that sort of preparedness fits right into your plan. So a soft pitch to you, Ryan, the elevator pitch to you is that... (coughs) Uh, There's a lot of uh, innovative uh, people that are into technology in the amateur radio uh, service and hobby, and you're welcome to join us. I'd love for you to come back and periodically tell me, I won't understand it, but I will listen to you. I will give you the platform anytime you're ready uh, to come. You can build. You can do whatever you want. Um, Just let me know whenever you have a little bit of free time. Come back and, and teach us a little bit. And on behalf of everybody here, just to say we wish you the best. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you're a really you. inspiring uh, person. And long may you run. I hope that you get to just half of what you want to do uh, in your life. But please keep in touch, okay? Okay. Thank you very much for having me. Please. As we say in amateur radio, 73, which came out of Morse code, that means best regards. And uh, thanks to all your, your family and the people around you for helping us set this up. Take care of yourself, Ryan. Thank you. You too. Have Take a care. great day. You too. Bye now. Bye. More contacts, less alpha hotels. This is 100 watts and a wire. 
There are many ways to support the content you enjoy, and here is another. Visit 100wattsandawire.com and click the Shop tab. Here you can find all the latest designs from the classic 100 Watts and a Wire logo all the way till today. Men's, women, kids and babies, we don't sell any of those. But we have apparel, gear, accessories, wall art, and cases. Visit 100wattsandawire.com, click shop, and support the content you enjoy. And thanks. Made in America, shared worldwide. This is 100 Watts and a Wire. Well, Lord have mercy. I think uh, that my new best friend, we are going to make plans and go play some soccer or whatever, play guitar. I've got my guitar. I'll get that and hang out. What an impressive uh, young man that is, and I'm so glad that he could be here with us. And it's time for us to uh, bring in our new segment and bring in, oh, no, what did I do? I didn't. I didn't add this correctly. Let's go back here. Oh, my. Let's look at this. We'll sort this out. Don't you worry. Look, there's, there comes Paul. Everything is changed. Oh, I've done I it I got again. no background. I got no background. <laughs> They're going to yell at me. I think I can fix it. But let me, uh, let me uh, fix it as we talk. Karen, do you want to go first? And we can just talk about Ryan uh, and, and how, can I, how do I follow? How do I can follow? I just, can I just say, Christian, that you knew how to do all this stuff before Ryan was on? Did that? Well, I think he took it with off? him. I put so much energy into his piece. We got that. We got to put him. Maybe he can fix it. Can you get him back? Yeah, I, I want him to come back. I, I want him to be. Let's see. Let yeah. Me, uh, let me put this here. I can. I know I can fix it. But anyway, if I click a button here. And I move this. No, it just hates me. Mm-hmm. It just hates me now. Uh, please uh, spend a minute talking about uh, the future and how. There we go. This isn't uh, exactly what you want. But there that, we are. That'll work. Up against the wall. I'm up against the brick wall. That'll oh, work. Boy. Yeah, you're in a brick wall. It's yeah. pen- penitentiary uh, type of stuff here. Oh, I knew I'd end up here one day. <laughs> you're both, just a matter you're both of- chiming in now from the penitentiary. So behave yourself. We're in the big house. Look We're in it. the big house. Paul. I like this. I like this look for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, super impressive mm-hmm. guy. I couldn't even get into all of no. his accomplishments because it, it starts super young. And it's, it starts with the help and guidance of your family and your teachers and, and all this sort of stuff. And he saw an issue and uh, a place where he could maybe help, and he did it. And uh, I think the money, you know, he's got a $10,000 cash uh, prize he won for his innovation on this early detection app, and that, you know, it's nothing. The $150,000 from the Navy, you know, looking back, moving on, moving on, mm-hmm. just just going, and I hope he finds some time to, to shred on that guitar mm-hmm. a little bit. You know what, though, better than that, Christian, at age 14, he knows where Australia is. How many kids <laughs> know beyond their, their, their front steps or care enough because it's something you haven't yet experienced in your life? I mean, he's very yeah. aware of the planet. The planet. He's very as I, cool. men- as I was mentioning, I remember myself at 14. I, I no. Yeah, like Don Wilbanks has once said, at you know, at this age, he was in the corner eating crayons, and I and I know, like at thirteen, ugh. But the focus 
is super impressive. And I think as I hopefully can introduce him a little bit to our world, uh, if he doesn't know about it already, um, the innovation that happens here, he'd fit right in, I guess, is the, uh, the long and short of that conversation. But uh, there you go. Well, we, uh, this is the portion of the program where we do two stories. One is a headliner, the showstopper, and the other is something perhaps you did not hear about this week. And we'll start uh, with Karen. Let's go over to, I'm going to switch this mm-hmm. over and, and it better work. Let's see. Oh, there you are. Now you've got the newsroom behind you. My, what did you find? I'm going to be unplugging. You, okay. you, may, you may be hearing a little bit of uh, thunder. While you bring up this first story, I'm going to go ahead and unplug. So go ahead, Karen, you take it away. All right. Uh, just want to say, first of all, this is uh, this story will be your cup of tea, which is a really bad pun, for a wonderful, fun, special event that's actually kicking off tonight at, uh, well, in New York, it's 8 o'clock local time. Uh, it is zero 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 UTC. There we go. The world's largest teapot. It is a one-week special event that is celebrating this landmark in West Virginia. Uh, it, it has its roots in a root beer ad uh, at the turn of the century. It was originally a barrel that held root beer and was used for commercial purposes, I think, uh, for Hires Root Beer, which is an American, I believe it's an American brand, uh, very old brand. But anyway, it moved to West Virginia in the 1930s, has been used in a number of uh, incarnations as a gift shop, as a, a tourist attraction. They love it in West Virginia. People see it and... It's just one of those quirky roadside things, you know, roadside America, like the old Burma shave signs and quirky things in New York. We have the big duck. It's a huge duck that should be activated, too. But this is the world's largest teapot. Be listening for W1T, W2T, W3T, all those signs that are around the country this is the first year this very local event is going national and there will be a bonus station wv8hat if you get all the stations you have a full cup if you get all stations and the bonus you have a full pot this is going to be fun. This is in the spirit of a lot of the last man standing operators and the 13 colonies operators are really into this. I will be operating as W2T and I will be fueled by some tea. Now, this is so interesting to me. Have we gotten to the point in amateur radio that we will activate anything, any landmark? We will, right. we will find a way to activate. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we're mm-hmm. there. I mean, it's like, hey, there's an idea. Yep. The, the, the flag? No, no, no. The tree? No, but the tree's a good one. Let's hold yep. on to that. That gigantic teapot. We are going to activate that and create a special event. Like, I love it. We're just activating any good reason, really, right? This is, this is the 17th year that this has been activated, but it is the first year 
that it's going coast to coast. And next year, there are plans to get, of course, how can you leave out Great Britain on a tea-related event? Right. So there may be a GB, there may be a bonus station next year. But let's get through this year. Everybody, grab your tea, turn your rig on, and be listening. Paul, is this your, I'm not even going to say cup of tea. Go ahead. Tell me about it. What are we doing here? I yeah I'm I'm completely behind this. In fact, I'm one of the W nine T operators. Um, You're in it. You're actually a special yeah. event operator. Yeah. Got it. It's it's fun. You know, I mean, there there's so many contests in ham radio that are just so incredibly competitive and focused, and people get really mean. That it's nice to have these. I mean, they just put a little bit of fun into the hobby when it's. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's like the 13 Colonies or Last Man Standing event. Um, I was one of the ops for Last Man Standing, and this year I actually managed to get a complete full sweep for 13 Colonies. So, um, you know, it's it's fun. And this is, we're, we're not competing really for, for, you know, awards or anything. It's like we're all just trying to trying to work some contacts and download a fun certificate. So I'm completely, completely with I'm this. Just, I'm going to write a letter to Ryan. Dear Ryan. I'm sorry that the teacup special event followed your big brain. I, that please let me give me another couple minutes to make this right. There is nothing else we could do to follow that, so we, might we as may well as well go, go to the teacup. Might as well go with this. Yep. I, I am thirsty. Uh, what else, Karen? That is, that is hysterical and a, a fun special event. But I really do believe all we need is a really good excuse to operate, and we will just do it. You know, it doesn't take much to get us on the air. This is really, uh, (laughs) this actually was brewing uh, among many of us uh, to activate when we were finishing up Last Man Standing. And we said, we we love doing this. Let's do something else. And this, uh, Philip, uh, I'm I'm sorry, Justin Shaw, Justin Shaw, W8LPN, in West Virginia said, hey, I need operators for um, this special event. What do you guys think? And being in New York, I will be W2T, and I will also be the uh, bonus station, W-V-8-H-A-T-H-A-T-T for teapot. And go for it. Go for it. Just do it. You just need any reason to operate. It's hysterical. I love it. And Paul Brown will be... And so will Karen be one of your uh, net control, op- not net control, a special event operator for that. Story number two, Paul, you've got something interesting as well to share. What's going on with you? Story number two, we're, we'll, we'll take this one up a little more, a little more tech, a little more highbrow. Uh, NASA is uh, always looking forward to the future. And one of the things they're looking at is sending... Um, you know, satellites and rovers to uh, much further places. And this one is, they're talking about sending it to Europa, which is one of Jupiter's moons. And the problem they have is that from what they know, the, the atmosphere and the environment on Europa is extremely radioactive. And they're concerned that anything they send up there needs to be really, really ruggedized to be able to handle that. And what is interesting for us is because, you know, 
a very, very ruggedized antenna is a thing we all love. Um, there is a uh, an engineer at NASA who has developed an antenna that's it's all metal. It's very lightweight, and it's it's a massive array of circular, circularly polarized elements that will be able to survive that environment and communicate through it. And it's also very very light, so it won't affect the takeoff or landing of the uh, the lander. So. Um, if, if you look at the, uh, the the article, we mentioned it in this week's newsline. There's a link, I believe, to it in the in the script. You ready to see um, that first picture? I could put that first picture up. Yeah, that's some artwork. Let's there. see. Well, there's the. This crew. is the this is the team. I believe the engineer is uh, the one that we talked about. I believe is the guy in the gray shirt. I'm not 100 percent sure, but that that gold. Uh, array the square thing on top that's the antenna and it, it works up in the microwave range and from what they're saying it is going to be able to communicate directly back to earth without a repeater so that's 550 million miles and it's it's going to be ruggedized to be resistance to the radiation on Europa so it's amazing that that right there is going to be able to talk uh, 550 million mm -hmm. miles back to earth wow. I wonder if i can get them to design something for me here to work satellites uh, dear ryan this is a new section dear ryan uncle paul needs help <laughs> needs help i'll <laughs> leave it there he can figure yeah. out yeah, all the rest exactly and there's another so image is, there tell us about that one that's well this is an artist's interpretation of what it would look like uh sitting on europa with jupiter in the background and with that array just kind of aimed back at Earth. I mean, it's it's amazing that tiny little package would land on this moon and, and do some exploring. And that array, that little flat panel, which kind of looks like an LED lighting panel, uh, is going to be able to communicate, they, they believe, directly back to Earth. That's amazing. Karen, yeah. would you like to talk about this tiny little package? I love this tiny little package. Who among us doesn't fantasize, for lack of a better word, about an indestructible, seemingly indestructible antenna, something that can withstand just about everything. Uh, the Europa mission is a ways off. They, they don't even have a, a lander built, but they wanted to be sure that an antenna was in place so that they could go ahead and Build a lander knowing that it can communicate. Uh, they're looking perhaps to deploy the antenna to other missions in the meantime. But they know that it is capable of doing the job when the time comes to go to Europa. Look at that. That is that is just the coolest thing. Isn't it beautiful? I don't that know if you guys are like me, but I think antennas are just <gasps> sexy. I know it sounds weird to oh, say that they are beautiful, but they are even hot. This yeah, totally yeah hot. It's... they're hot they're hot when yep. we went to when we went to uh voa the first time and and we saw the antennas there i i think some of us ju were just it was like being on sacred ground <laughs> we were speechless an antenna yeah. oh, my bricks are back bricks are we back. hit the bricks but uh <laughs> the bricks true. are back but that that's is when you know really, the segment's uh, over hit the bricks but before yes. before we say break. goodbye, we would like to mention, uh, if you uh, have not yet listened to uh, yesterday's Amateur Radio Newsline, we have announced 
our 2021 Young Ham of the Year Award recipient. And that is the remarkable, speaking of remarkable young people, that is Faith Hannah Lee. Wow. Um, she is our winner for this year. And awesome. uh, she, is, she has also done amazing things at a very young age. And she comes from, most people know the Lees are a whole ham family. Mm-hmm. I mean, really a real life family. And, uh, and they're all, they all do great things. And uh, Faith Hannah was nominated and uh, our committee um, agreed that she's the one. So congratulations to Faith That's Hannah. Great. She calls me Uncle Christian. She calls me Uncle Christian. And I'm very proud of that whole family uh, you know, a homeschooled family that's actually, I'm, I'm sure she's in college. I, I'm not sure of her age at the yes. moment, but they were all in college. At, at, again, when Paul and I and and Steve, Sidecar Steve and Don Wilbanks were all sharing the box of crayons, these kids were like in college. And I don't know how well, to relate to it. I'm just week. like, wow. Oh, I know. I've chewed through a pen cap just talking to Ryan. Dear Ryan, I've... Uh, Change this habit of mine of eating crayons. You've inspired me beyond that. Well, great. You're eating Sharpies now. Yeah, Sharpies and bigger. I think you're it, it, Sharpies. It's, it's permanent. So I figure if I just eat <laughs> one, I, I won't have to eat another one since it's mm-hmm. permanent. Now, yeah. now, now, Ryan is getting reprimanded for coming on this show. <laughs> oh, your debut is it with this nitwit? Yeah. I'll send an You're going to have to choose, son. You're going to have to choose your media appearances more carefully. We have a report from right. Picayune, Mississippi, that uh, Faith Hannah's nomination packet was over 40 pages long. It's amazing. Yeah. And as uh, Uncle Don will say, uh, the future of amateur radio is indeed in good hands. So the future in general, I hope, is in good hands with the next generation. Yep. <coughs> Sorry, that was a, uh, that was a uh, what was the color? can't remember the color they've changed the color so much now it was burnt a navy umber. blue burnt umber is always a good one <laughs> burnt yeah. umber was what you had for yeah. breakfast good yeah. deal well thank you guys for coming by and um talking about some of the news stories a special event looks really fun any good excuse to get on the air is perfect uh for yep. me the artist depiction there of the antenna that's going out there and all that business great stuff uh, thank you guys so much. We will uh, come back thank and see you. you again next Saturday. 7-3, guys. Absolutely. 7-3. Made in America. Shared worldwide. This is 100 Watts and a Wire. If you're looking for a new way to become involved with the 100 Watts and a Wire community, visit 100wattsandawire.com and click the EMI tab. EMI is short for Emergency Information. You can join the Emergency Information team and help us gather news, information, and resources during live emergency situations. Now, during live streams, a show producer may contact you or other members of the team to offer perspective, personal experience in emergency communications, and firsthand reports. If you're into preparedness, weather events, disaster response, consider joining this team. Visit 100wattsandawire.com, click the EMI team tab, and we'll get you on the list. 7-3 and back to the show. All right, there we are. And uh, welcome to 100 Watts and a Wire. And uh, enjoy every Saturday we get to get together. If you're new, please put new in the chat. Uh, a nice group of people there uh, to meet, a friendly group of people. Uh, poke around the 100 Watts and a Wire YouTube channel. 
And if you see something in there, you dig it, perhaps subscribe and um, and poke around a little bit. There's a lot of Q&A in there about amateur radio. We do a preparedness segment, which we're going to talk about right now as I bring in my mentor and uh, my teacher. He's helping me, and it, it can't be easy. It just cannot be easy. He, here he is, but he teaches me how to be more self-reliant here in the 21st century, and we're using very practical solutions to what seems to be done. I mean, holy moly. And you're part of the Discord channel, and we've got an emergency news thing there, and that feed is just, it seems like, and I know that uh, most people or many people don't want to see all of this. And then there's a group of us that really want to know what's going on in the world, and we've got flooding We've got fires. We've got all sorts of everything going on. And I'm always like, Don, what do we do? And one of the first things that he'll tell me is we got to talk about risk assessment where you live. So we're going to pick that up today. And where if you're kind of new to this, and I'd say that I've had a prep-minded, you know, I'm prep-minded. I, I, There are things that I definitely do, and there's other things that I don't do enough of when it comes to this uh, preparedness. But you're big into risk assessment and kind of starting at the root of that. So when I mention that to you, what comes to mind and where should we begin? Well, I'll say this. I share your laziness sometimes, right? There's all these things I think I should be doing, all of these preparedness uh, methods and uh, projects that I think I should be taking on. And then uh, a cold beer at five o'clock wins the battle. But uh, I'll say this. So you talked about risk assessment, and I'm going to go to the business world for a second because it's the place that gets it right. Uh, There's a couple different models, uh, but for us, risk is generally looked at as a threat times a vulnerability times an impact. So there could be something that's bad, uh, but it has no impact on you, so you're not necessarily at risk. Or there could be... uh, you know, the ultimate impact for us, loss of life. Perhaps the the threat or the vulnerability isn't as high, but because of the consequences of that loss of life, uh, you're, you're a little bit more at risk. So what does that mean? It means taking a look at where you are, uh, what's around you, what's most likely to happen, and let's just ground this at home for a second. Uh, what's most likely to happen in your neighborhood, in your community that could put you at risk? Oh, you, you're talking to me. Oh, wow. We're on the uh, the fault. We've got the fault here. You're talking to me. Was that a question for me? I love this. Well, it's a question for everyone, but oh, 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 uh, I I'm thought just we were curious doing if you a... did your homework. Oh, yes. I can tell you. I know that they have a like a refinery several miles away that will feed gasoline under the town that I live in that gets to the airport. We also have the rivers, Don, the rivers systems pushing things up and down. We've got major interstates like that. So when you ask me what are my risks, I'm like, I might want to think about moving because, but the one that got me, (laughs) I was in my CERT class and we started talking about this pipeline that ran from this refinery across and under the river, I guess. It comes across under the city I live in all the way to the airport. And I was like, Oh no, like that's a major thing. For, so for me, I don't know if you want to tackle that because there's so many different aspects there. And maybe it was a rhetorical question about thinking about where you live. But for me, that's what I'm looking at. 
Well, and aren't you in New Madrid territory as well? Exactly. And that's the one I think people don't talk about. That's the thing that, oh, you know, and that's that's the kind of thing I think that'll be the thing that happens. Yes, exactly. That that for me is that's high up on the list. But I think it's suppressed here locally. Like it's something we just don't talk about. It's frightening. Well, it's so far overdue that maybe if we ignore it, it'll go away. Right. Yeah. So, the, the, the thousand year storm, the 500 year, 100 year storms. So you listed a few and my answer is always going to be, what are your reasonable outcomes for all of those? Are you staying in the house? Are you running like hell uh, or something in between? Like what makes sense? And obviously you don't always get to, to answer that question right away. But uh, you know, generally speaking, if you took a textbook or a methodical look at okay, I have uh, a fuel line that's running under town. If it went bad, what would the impact be? Where am I in relation to it? Uh, does this impact my ability to evacuate? If it would go bad, uh, even on a modest level, would it be so bad that staying at home wouldn't be an option, so I'll have to evacuate? You, know, you start to ask the what ifs based upon each of those specific threats that you're concerned about, uh, and by doing so, you're kind of getting into that outcome. So you know that, hey, if this goes bad, uh, perhaps my house gets destroyed. So you know what that outcome is and you know you're not staying. So uh, maybe you're refining one of your evacuation plans or packing the truck with some more bug out gear. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think you have to take a look at you know, what does finished look like if something happens? Am I staying home? Do I need to get out? Uh, for how long can I survive? And then you start to see where the gaps are. So if it's something that's going to keep you in the house for, say, two weeks, and I know you're a gardener, and I know you have some food thrown around the house in places, but uh, that aside, uh, depending on where you are and what your situation is, if you're going to be homebound for two weeks, can you meet your needs? Uh, can you eat for two weeks? Can you drink for two weeks? Can you provide for sanitary uh, considerations for two weeks? And then from there, that's when you see, well, this is what I have. This is where I think I might need to be. So how do I get from A to B and close that gap? So me, most people, the reason this came up, Don and I came up with the idea of hour 73, and it's we're taught to prepare for the first 72. And so hour 73 is like, what are you going to do now? And I hear you using the two-week variable. Is that a standard or is that sort of, I know there are some preppers that are like, I'm three months I'm one year. Sure. And I, for me, I'm normal. I'm. I don't know. But is two weeks a, a reasonable amount of time to have those things that you mentioned? Yeah. So I'm careful with that discussion because you don't know everyone's means. You don't know everyone's ability. I say the further down the road you can be prepared, the better you're going to be, regardless. Uh, I did a security assessment that involved somebody who has 23 years of food. In an Jesus. underground shelter. No. So, I, I mean, I don't – at that point, I think if I'm underground for about 22, 23 years, I'm hoping that someone just takes me at that point. You don't uh, want to live through agree. that, right? <laughs> no. But, but hey, you know what? To, to each their own. Uh, sure. Far be it for me to judge. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'll say this, right? We, we talk 72 hours, ready.gov. It's the classic campaign. But as disasters get worse, as the impact of the disasters are greater – uh, sometimes 72 hours isn't enough. 
And again, you said it right back to the impetus for why we called it hour 73. Like, what do you do after those first 72 hours that most of us have been arguably conditioned to be able to do, right? So I think we're all generally comfortable with the fact that we could make it three days in the house. That's the baseline. And I know uh, mileage might vary depending where folks are in the process. But, you know, long term, uh, you know, I'm looking at ways of how I can dig it out for a couple of weeks. And and that's not just with supplies on hand. It's also, okay, if I'm here and I'm homebound for a couple of weeks, you know, maybe I have a week and a half of water, but now how am I collecting water? How am I purifying water? How am I uh, storing water? Uh, so it's not just what do you have in your basement or in that closet that will get you to point B. It's how do you sustain that as you, uh, as you move forward. So maybe I have two weeks of water, but maybe a week in and I don't know how long this is going to last. I think, well, crap, I need to find ways to, to, to refill those stores, if you will. And the, the cases I gave you with the fault and the pipeline that's moving from the refinery, these are all man-made sort of things. Now, I can have things happening along the river, along the highway systems, man-made. What about tornadoes? I mean, I'm in Tornado Alley also. We're, we're more inclined to get that come through here. Weather-wise, is it the same sort of thought process for you when it becomes sort of these... Oh, I don't want to say natural disasters. Uh, A lot of these things are, are, but anyway, tornadoes, things that are happening uh, outside of a man's switch or a a loose (laughs) screw. Yeah, so, I mean, I look at it the same. I think you always want to have supplies, the things, the stuff that you need to make it through the day. Uh, We are seeing more and more tornadic activity in my part of the Mid-Atlantic than I ever saw. So now I'm starting to wrap my head around, hey, like, what do we do if a tornado would roll through? Now, granted, I know the Midwest kind of says, hold my beer to that because we see EF zeros and ones. But still, that can certainly damage a house. Uh, You know, the difference there is so you're prepared, right? You've built your supply house. You've got stuff in the basement. You've even created space in the basement as a a quasi-tornado shelter. And then the roof is taken off or your second floor is taken off. So you have a new set of headaches. So now you're getting into those considerations. Okay, how do I, do I need to provide some sort of temporary emergency shelter? Do I have enough or access to enough to secure my house? You know, and again, we're, we're speaking about damage outcomes that you can't predict. You know, whether it's a couple shingles blow off or your entire second floor blowing off are two disparately different discussions. Uh, you know, worst case, you're probably not staying in that house if your second floor is missing. So then the, you know, the discussion is, can I get out of there? Can I take what I need, what's valuable to me uh, and head somewhere else, whether it's family? Uh, and, you know, 99.99% of what we discuss, the rest of the quote unquote real world is still alive and well. So it doesn't become Mad Max. We're not in the Thunderdome all of a sudden after a tornado. There's places we can go. There are insurance agents and companies that are, com- are going to come down and start to fix the damage. I always favor, and look, I don't look at it from conspiracy theory, but I always theory the big one. Like what happens if something is so extensive that I'm going to be here for a bit, plus there are no support structures around me. So no one's coming to help. And that's, uh, I figure, 
And at the end of the day, this is no different than what we do professionally. If you prepare for the quote unquote big one, then you can handle the little ones that come along the way. You mentioned uh, being out here and the whole my beer thought. I think the um, just being out here, I don't know that being out here, we may see more. I don't know that we're particularly prepared better for it, you know, because you still see the things and it's like, whoo, they just come through here. Uh, so I think that, yeah, we do see more volume. You would think we've gotten better. But my point is, I believe that a lot of people think that FEMA's coming to help you. And that I think we've talked about no. this before, is that they may, they may, but chances are there's so many more disasters and problems and issues that the government has to work with that that's the whole training for our, the first 72 hours. Um, the reality is they may not be coming and they may not be coming soon. You know, out here is how I see. Yeah, so you have to expect this. For federal intervention, the scope of the disaster has to be such that there's enough of an impact. Uh, technically, there are, there are threshold levels that states have to meet in terms of damage in order to get a presidentially declared disaster declaration. So you might not get it or because the way it works and they do it county by county, your county next door might be wiped off the map, but maybe a tenth of your county uh, suffers the same damage. You might see them getting immediate attention and aid, but you're not getting it because you haven't reached a threshold. So, uh, not only that, but if you look at it, disasters have become so increasingly expensive uh, that the federal government, quite frankly, can't support disaster response anymore. Uh, two or three years ago, FEMA changed their strategic plan uh, to basically go all in on pushing preparedness back down as low as possible to the individual and households so that we can handle what we need to handle for those first X amount of hours, whether it's supplies, whether it's maintaining adequate insurance. Uh, so I would say in combination with that, the other theme thematically that I see from the federal government is the investment in mitigation. So the, the, the equation has been, and it's more than $6 now, but the equation had been up to now that a dollar invested in mitigation projects saves $6 in recovery. So if you spend that kind of money preparing your house with, like say hurricane ties or a tornado safe room, uh, those, those mitigation type things that we can do to keep water away from the house or creating a safe and defensible space in your yard if you're in wildfire territory, that money spent on that end saves a whole heck of a lot of money later after the disaster uh, roared through and you're, you're rebuilding. Oh, man, thank you. So It's so rich. Uh, the takeaways, a couple of takeaways we should think about, and I'm going to broad stroke them here, is that you got to have uh, okay. your threat, your risk and threat assessment from wherever you live. Sure. See, we could go through, we could, we could go on the Discord at some point and maybe open this up and take calls and people could ask you questions about this. Some people live in the mountains, some people live here, some people live in the cities. And so everything would change, maybe scenario-based, but your big message today is have that risk assessment where you live, think about these things. Uh, another big one is don't think that necessarily 
FEMA's coming to save you. They may not be coming to save you, or they may, may would love to maybe save you, but you really need to save yourself. What am I missing here? Is there any other parts? we got a lot of little specifics in there, but the takeaway message for today. So, uh, no, I think those are two great points. And I would say as you look at those risks and hazards, you have to figure out what finish looks like. So what are, you, what are the outcomes that you're expecting to survive? And survive, I mean, in the nebulous sense. So not just staying alive, but being able to provide your, for your family. So figure out what that outcome is and figure out what resources you need to be at that outcome and then figure out what you have. And if you don't have what you need, you have a gap. And now you got to look at ways to close that gap. And we can talk about those ways. And we have before, whether it's individual-based, community-based, and uh, you know, there's a whole host of ways we can do it. There was a comment that I, I think is salient here. It says, uh, if you haven't prepared, it's the time to start. Uh, you, know, you, do it, you do as much as you can as the budget allows. And uh, what I'd like to see moving forward, especially in follow-up discussions or if we do it in Discord, and I think we've seen it a little bit, is what are the tools that you all are using to figure out what's bad in your neighborhood? So what are those risks and hazards? And there's a lot of great websites out there that show you floodplains, stream gauges, weather maps. I mean, we can run down the whole gamut, but I'm curious what everyone's doing to figure out where the bad stuff is in their community. Yeah, in the Discord now, if you go 100 Watts and Wire has a Discord channel now. It's uh, small, but it was meant to uh, be a vessel for emergencies. I'm also finding we're getting a lot of amateur radio operators who may not need such preparedness or heavy topics in their threads. Uh, So I put the Discord in there uh, for you if you wanted to join us over there. And there's an emergency news channel and there's a uh, preparedness channel. So we can discuss and have a dialogue within that without, you know, disrupting everyone's uh, happiness over in the amateur radio side. So we're, like Don would say, we're, we've made a couple of buckets there where you can take weather and talk about that. But you're welcome to do that. Uh, Don is my uh, preparedness teacher. I'm really lucky to have him. A uh, patient guy, uh, serves as my stunt double on movies. But here we'll take the hat and put it on not to confuse you. See that? See, the big yeah. stuff comes. You got to jump over a, a truck. Okay, I can't do that, Don. Don, you're in. But, yeah, me, uh, me I'm not in for that either. Now we're all too old. We need another one. We need another one. I'm I gonna can't re- jump over a phone book. Can we just talk about Ryan for a second? My, my new feature is called Dear Ryan. I'm just going to write to Ryan and tell him my problems and see if he's got a solution. Maybe there's an app. It's the, you know, the Christian has a problem app. Uh, I know you were here uh, through his. Hopefully, you were what you were able to watch and catch that young man. But holy cow! At age thirteen, why didn't we? We weren't doing this kind of stuff. We weren't creating things that helped uh, firefighters and uh, <laughs> save the planet. I had underoos. Yeah, I, I had underoos. I, I think most of the people might not remember those, but I felt like a superhero. Alas, I hear you still do. Oh, okay. Well, this is a dear Ryan. That was just a joke. So, yeah, at 13, I'm sure I had a reasonable accomplishment in life. I just damn if I can remember what it was. You graduated from Uh, the seventh grade, which, you know, back in Baltimore, that's a big deal. I'm I'm from Baltimore. uh, Just to let everybody know, I'm busting his chops and my own. That's that's it. Baltimore. Yeah, there it is. That's right. Uh, Hey, look, and 
you know, God bless a, a kid like that, right? It, I love the folks that are coming up behind us that absolutely keep us on our toes. Yeah, yeah no keep doubt. pushing forward. It's it's an amazing story. So, no doubt. Hey, enjoy your family. You're amazing kids, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Uh, join us in the Discord. You leave comments here below the videos, and we'll we'll put this segment out this week. That way, you can uh, talk about it and your areas. Maybe we can get into some specific handling. Take some calls. We'll do that. Yeah, kind of stuff. I'd love to hear what people are concerned about. Let's chat about it. Because if we don't have the answer based upon our experience, I bet you we can find the answer with the group that we have in Discord. Yeah, and you may have some solutions. And this is for everyday people, everyday people. We don't need to be a doom and gloomer to uh, to prepare ourselves a little bit better. And I think 2020 was a real wake-up call for a lot of people who were on the fringes. You know, not to go completely overboard, but to think about shortages. And I can't get this. I can't get a or B, and how do I? And those, those thought processes. Thank you, Brother Don. I appreciate you, man. We will uh, catch up again next week. Sounds good. 73. Have a great weekend. 73. We'll see Don in the Discord. Name here is Christian. Appreciate you being here Saturday mornings dedicated to the flagship uh, show. This started in 2015. Hard to believe now we've been running this long. And just in September, took it to uh, YouTube. So if you're interested to see how uh, the show progresses and how it's made, you're welcome to join us. Here comes trouble. This is the back half, <laughs> the back half of the show uh, where Sidecar Steve uh, joins us. He spent two weeks in Hawaii, and uh, the people were – I mentioned that the young lady who joined us, Frankie, last week, um, young lady, and uh, – Super brilliant, uh, funny, mm -hmm. all, all the things that, frankly, you're not, you know. Yeah. I was like, so we're firing him and bringing Frankie on, my new co-host. And people were like, no, you son of a... <laughs> you can't Side do that got to kicked side. to the side of the road. <laughs> I could feel, I was like, wait. I fell off the motorcycle. Wait. <laughs> Yeah, Sidecar Steve uh, is back and alive and well, but was vacationing. There he is. Uh, we can never forget our partnership. This was the year 1956. Steve and I, we uh, won first place, number eight, based on Cal Ripken's, uh, my tribute to Cal Ripken. My helmet is cool. Look at Steve's. He said, I don't want a, a, a helmet so tall. I'll just do this round one, my goggles, and the right hand. The magic is in the right, the right hand. hand. So everything is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't talk about how he got so much strength in the right hand. But uh, welcome back, buddy. It's good to see you. And your new attire. Uh, you feel rested, or uh, that you could have maybe done a third week? Oh, I easily could have done a third week. Really? Uh, oh yeah. Nah, to go swimming every day, and uh, it's cooler there than it is here. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm glad to be home and get back into swing of things so last couple of days have been a lot of catch up at work and uh so uh it's good to be here okay so we have a lot to catch up on now uh you were here we uh talked to ryan my new feature will be called mm -hmm. dear ryan where i write him letters to figure out exactly how to proceed at this port of life but uh, in all seriousness as a firefighter this young man at age 13 actually before that He's 13 now, and 2018 is when he was moved to create this this mm -hmm. technology and this innovation. Uh, any thoughts on uh, Ryan in general? 
Oh, it's great. It was just, I had a lot of questions I wanted to ask him, but uh, he's a fantastic kid. Uh, uh, our, our future is so uh, well in hand with guys like Ryan. And, uh, you know, one of the things he pointed out was the information to, to get out uh, to us on the lines and to uh, the IC is uh, where's the fire moving? And uh, we're kind of in, in, playing catch-up so uh having uh this mesh network of uh, sensors uh is is a big plus and uh that has basically when he was talking about having this i just started thinking, well that's what we used to have but in human form back in the day when we had the old fire lookouts and uh, uh here on the west coast and in the forested areas anywhere along the Rockies, you know, we used to have these uh, fire lookouts that were manned uh, by people that uh, that's all they did, that their sole job was to look for for smoke. And uh, that was that uh, first, uh, you know, contact before we had all the satellites and everything. And now, you know, we're, we've taken the human element out of it and then, um, and then put in uh, as technology comes along. So uh, a great, great concept is like damn why didn't i think about that sooner but uh, good for him and uh getting grants especially from the navy i mean as it was brought up in the uh in the uh, chat there's fortune 500 companies or fortune 100 companies that can't get a a grant like that from the navy so uh good for you ryan and it's just uh yeah at 13 14 uh it, it's i wasn't thinking of uh, things like that what Ryan's going it was my mind was in the three B's and we'll talk about that later but uh, by but, the way uh, I, oh sorry sorry go ahead Steve no that's all go ahead I was going to say his um, his uh, website all of that is in the description of the show if you're a subscriber on YouTube you'll see that there check out the interview I did with him there's so many things to talk about and even oh, not yeah. even challenging him in the technical but, you know, what about if this happens? You know, a lot of this is based on some Wi-Fi. He's got solar. Mm -hmm. There's so many layers to what he's doing. But uh, just right. super impressive. And I, I'd like to dig in a little bit more. And hopefully over time he'll come back and we can uh, exactly. explore that stuff together or watch him build something. Uh, really well, inspiring. Well, he's already... He's already touched kind of in the in the RF world, uh, dealing with a mesh network, and uh, so he, he's there. He's uh, he's on his way now. Whether he has the time and uh, the energy, which for him it's like he can probably sit down in one setting and crank out all three uh, tests uh, and just get it all done. And uh, he'd be a, he'll go from zero to extra in you know in an afternoon. So, uh, yeah, no doubt, but uh, I'd, love, I'd love to get him in on board mm -hmm. for sure. I want to want to invite yeah. we uh, we did this the other day. We had a, a special coverage of some tornadic, that's the right word, uh, activity happening through New Jersey mm -hmm. and Philadelphia area. And we went live and we got some special reports through Discord. So we carried the audio through. So anybody who actually is a member of the Discord, anybody can be. I've dropped the the link for you in the chat area but you can uh come in if you'd like to look for the studio phone line and you can go in there if you have a question or something you want to talk about uh we can do that here and i'll drop in there at the moment just wait for me to call you because i think it's one it could be 
too many people get the chat in there it could be a little nutty but i'm gonna put that in now there's a couple of questions. You want to take some questions, Steve, from... Yeah, we'll, we'll take like a question. I got one do. other comment yeah, that I, ahead, I noticed ahead. in the picture uh, from NASA. And uh, the one gentleman that was uh, in the gray shirt, gray uh, the checkered shirt. Ahead, and uh, I kind of liked, uh, well, if you bring him up, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, the guy there on the right. Uh, it's, uh, I like the uh, Gene Krantz uh, haircut tribute. Nice. That is a the, flat top uh, right there. That's a flat top, so uh, <laughs> good for him, honoring uh, Gene Krantz, who was the, uh, uh, I think he was kind of like the head dude there in uh, in Houston at uh, Mission Control, and uh, he's been in the space program for many, many years, uh, since retired, but uh, love the, uh, I love the, the flat top, so good on you, buddy. So, you know, remember Leanne, this was somewhere around November time, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Boy, I'm mm-hmm. thinking it was probably 2019. You remember she had a, a young, uh, her son uh, yep. was licensed, and there was a power, some power questions, and she's a military family. Well, I spoke and to her. involved in the uh, Cub Scouts. Mm-hmm. Her boys were in, heavily involved in the Cub Scouts, I remember. So she comes on. I uh, I was on crutches because I fell out of my shed. This is uh, stuff to, and, and sh- soon after that, she like really jacked up her foot. I don't know if she had to get surgery, mm-hmm. but we were joking this week about, you know, like you should come back on the show. She's in Alaska now, and we'd have they to. They went be, to Alaska. They had to. He had military <laughs> husband, and he's stationed now in Alaska. Well, Alaska just wow. had this earthquake. It was not mm-hmm. close to her, but I checked in on her just to see how she's doing. Joked about we'd have to come on and we'd both be wrapped in bubble wrap because apparently whenever we get together, we're injured and and hurting ourselves. But she is now, she has a question. So, and we talked about it a little bit and I told her, I said, I'll promise I'll talk about it with Steve on the show. And we can get into it a little bit here. We got some other questions too, but this one came up. She's going to be in minus 40 degree temperatures. She has enough space probably for a 20 and a 40 meter off-center dipole, something like that, or uh-huh. a dipole in that range in her yard. It's a little bit of a smaller, but maybe on a diagonal. The trick is in minus 40 degree temperatures, we talked about a pass-through, some way to get into the house, and they're not allowed to drill holes, and I talked about maybe a pass-through. Ooh. Is there a way without coax? You see, my point is if she does a pass-through, she's still got that windows kind of up and wedged, and that's probably not going to be good for her. Is there a way to make an antenna, of course, with, say, 14-gauge wire or ladder line that can be closed in that door? What do you think about if you're in the situation, minus 40-degree temperatures, but you don't want to have a thick coax coming uh, through the wall or can't any thoughts you on can't. that that one is um it's tough right shoot 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 uh there's uh, my mind's going through many ways but they mfj i think they make it or someone they have a uh, a little uh coax adapter it goes uh, has uh, two balance on each end essentially and it converts uh your 50 ohms to a ladder line or twin lead and then uh it's really flexible and you can kind of smush it through the uh through the window Mm -hmm. and then it uh, comes back to 50 ohms problem is it's really limited uh on power i think 100 watts is maximum if if that 
but just very inefficient, uh, pretty lossy. Uh, yeah, I, whew, that's the tough one. So, yeah, she's in base housing, and, uh, yeah, they don't want any holes drilled, and uh, it's going to be uh, – the windows are going to be minimum double-paned, if not triple-paned. Uh, they're up there in Alaska, so it's going to be uh, uh, pretty tough to get in there. But I would imagine – oh, jeez <laughs> – I know phone cables or cable TV is probably getting through the wall, but the you know base authorities or housing authorities mm-hmm. have taken care of that. So, um, wow, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a tough one. I to, thought about uh, my my sort of Carolina Wyndham, the one that's three mm-hmm. wires that they they're soldered together at the top, mm-hmm. and I use it for my portable operations. I was thinking, and I don't know how the winds are where she will be, but I know that temperature, but. I drop down a single wire, you know, 14 gauge or whatever it, it may be. Mm-hmm. I wonder if pulling that through a window and shutting it's going to have too much in effect. Well, but that was probably what I would do. I know the pass-through please. is their gut reaction is to, oh, do the pass-through. But that's not going to keep that cold. You know, that's a wedge the, in the window. The only thing I can really think of just right off the top of my head is if you've got some... Uh, it would be styrofoam. It's a maybe, I don't know, six inches or whatever that has wood on each side. They, they use them in building. Uh, you kind of or or a rigid insulation that you can uh, drill a hole through. Have your cable go through that, and then you'd have the sliding window that would, uh, you know, butt up against that. And then you kind of have to somehow, you know, insulate that. Okay. to keep the uh, the cold from coming into the into the structure so uh that's about the only thing i can think of is if you had some uh thick foam insulation uh some rigid board uh you can kind of get away with that and then you'll have to secure the uh the window to uh and just a simple two by two or one by one uh, down at the bottom just to keep the uh, window from opening up. So, I mean, there's there's a couple of ways you can go through it. But, uh, yeah, you're dealing with, uh, you know, cold temperatures. If minus 40, I wonder if they're – are they up in uh, Fairbanks? Uh, I think in that area. There? I think in that yeah, area, so yeah. it's, um, I would imagine, you know, reaching out to the local uh, hams in the area and uh, – they might have some ideas. Uh, they obviously would be better equipped on uh, answering those and how to how to work around because uh, Leanne's situation is not the first and won't be the last mm-hmm. with uh, dependents uh, that are you know living in base housing and up there. Years ago, I did an interview. We were focusing and featuring clubs because you know it was a couple years back, and there's a club up there near Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. With an interesting name, Skinny Dicks. Skinny Dicks is like a, I think it's like a restaurant bar type of deal, but they've mm-hmm. also turned it into a club, and it had a handful of hams. And it's in that area. Might be worth looking that up. Also, in our in our chat here, Don, whoops, lost it. He says, Comet uh, makes a flat coax capable of 100 watts. That's, so That's what I was thinking of as Comet. So, yeah, I keep thinking MFJ, but, uh, yeah, Don is correct. It's uh, Comet that makes that. And, uh, yeah, it's a little short piece, and it has uh, a a balance, basically, what it's uh, doing. It's just a transformer on each end, and you're just doing an impedance uh, conversion from 50 ohms to 300 ohms or whatever the the feed line 
of the twin lead is and then back to 50 ohms but it's very limited in power so yeah. that's it thanks don yeah jeffrey also says that he uses a uh, thick piece of foam and runs a line through that and then close the mm -hmm. window on that it works well for him and he's up in the northeast so it's a couple so. good options i said we'll bring that up on there i think it pressing it down make sure you get that window shut and sh somehow right and, and with the foam you could probably you know indent in there as you know <laughs> some of the sliding uh windows have uh kind of that uh u-notch or or w-notch depending on the window uh manufacturer so I, I i think the rigid foam is is a good start and then uh and then make sure it's uh, insulated you know just keep the draft down and then uh where the cable goes through the uh, the foam, I would just probably hit it with some expander foam once it's all set through there. And once you're done, you just take it out and everything's back to normal. The product is called Comet Antennas CTC-50M, Leanne. So there you go. Thank you for that. So there's an option. Mr. Butler. Uh, and members of the Discord, if you wanted to uh, ask a question, you're welcome to join the uh, studio phone line, and we'll try to bring you up one by one and see how that goes. You ready for another question here that was yes, uh, sent in through an email or our Facebook or the Discord? Here's a question. What does it mean to load up a gutter? Probably a new like ham here. Uh Loading up a gutter is just you're using the gutter, your aluminum or your metal gutter, as an antenna. So just think of as the gutter as the uh, the wire in place. You know, it's in place of the uh, wire antenna that wraps around your house. And what you're doing is you're just using the metal gutter as a uh, random length wire, and you're hooking up your your coax to it and basically uh, tuning up the uh, tuning up the gutter as an antenna and that's uh, the term loading up the gutter now i've never done this before but we've talked to people on our nets we've had people load up uh cow fences uh things mm -hmm. of sh long stretch six feet high cattle fences or whatever they may Bob be wire the, they've pretty much anything yeah. and anything that is conductive uh uh people have loaded it up uh you know slinkies has always been uh something that was done many years ago i've heard stories of guys taking the old uh, metal springs uh, out of a mattress or whatever mm -hmm. and loading that up as you know now whether it's true or not that's you know old wife's tale but uh but i have personally worked someone in kansas that uh loaded up their gutter on 20 meters and they had a pretty respectable signal on the air so uh if it's metal it can radiate now, can you do that through a somehow doing it through a terminal or like an alligator clip or clamp? Uh, like that? They, How do you connect to that? You just take like a little sheet metal screw and you uh, take like the center conductor of your coax. So uh, down at the bottom of the rain, you know, the, the spout, you know, the rain, uh, the rain gutter spout. And you hook your uh, you just put a ring terminal on the center conductor of the coax, hook that to the uh, to the gutter. And then uh, take the shield and maybe drive a uh, ground rod into the uh, into the Mother Earth there, and away you go. Now you can also do it up at the eaves itself, and if there was a gap, you could uh, turn around and have that as a you know shield on one and another one on the other. And if there was a piece of uh, plastic <laughs> in the middle, 
and you can make your rain gutter as like a dipole. So I mean, it's you see that I can totally see it. You you run it from just and then they run it from the outs. This one goes this way. So so you talk about your window, uh, your three wire window. Well, hook your coax at the bottom of the rain spout or the gut, you know, the downspout. I mean, and then there's your three wire window, and uh, off you go. So I mean, it's just just replace the wire with the gutter, and then let your mind go to go to town and go from there. This is fun. We should do a project. As long as you keep your mind out of the gutter. Oh, uh, interesting. <laughs> Good one. Hard for you. You will not be there long, uh, but uh, <laughs> either would I, I'm sure. You know what that reminds me of? Something bad. Now, yeah. I, you know, that might be an interesting uh, little thing that we could do as a community is to mm -hmm. uh, take videos of ourselves trying to load up our gutters. Just a short couple minutes and see how it works. Tune it up, see if it works. I'm down. I, I've got one that shoots off the back of the house here, and if the bugs don't take me away, I might try that. Let's load up our gutters. Maybe we'll uh, we'll work on something like that. Worked all gutters. We Worked go. all gutters. Oh, we didn't we, talk we, about the teapot. Another special event station. I mean, as we were talking about the teapot, I was starting to think, hey, wait a minute here. We need to have, you know, we had, you know, national parks on the air and all this other stuff. How about worked all microbrews? We got thousands Ooh. of breweries in the what? in the nation. Let's have a, a year long special event, and you just go from one brewery to the other, and you work your uh, you set up your uh, these breweries on the air. Let's call it that. Uh, breweries <laughs> B -O on the air. The air breweries on the air, and uh, I can imagine the longer you stay at the brewery, the more comical your contacts oh, are going to become. It's going to be great. <laughs> it will be great. I work drunk four <laughs> people. Two of them. Well, that was a fight. No. No contact. <laughs> no. I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, you got to think yeah. outside of the box here. It's only an exactly. excuse. It's an excuse to get on the air and let's have some beer while we're at it. Let's have some beer and load up our gutters. I and, think and then let's be and then let's uh, also be inclusive and our our folks that are into um the grape so let's uh have worked all wineries and gotcha. uh, so vino be very on the air vino on the air I like and it. then uh, and then we can expand on that bourbon on it. the air we will own the adult beverage activation so we need some we really go. good computer people to help us keep track of how this <laughs> gibberish goes but from the minds of nitwits to <laughs> dear ryan dear apologies ryan. for the adult beverage that's my new segment, dear Ryan. Well, thank you for that question. That's interesting. I never knew how to technically load it up. I was always thinking an alligator clip or something like that. To that that's another connect. way. I mean, people have used alligator clips or whatever. I, I just rather use a you know just a simple sheet metal screw, and uh, get a good uh, good contact there. All right. Let's take another one. We've got some time and uh, see what's happening here. All right. It's been a while. Of all of the contacts you've made, which is your favorite and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> Does your mind go right to DX for mm. you? Like, is it like a distance thing? Did, what was the first thing that popped in? Or was it a person? Uh, it's it's all over the place. But, uh, yeah, DX is uh, one of them. I think my first uh, Middle East contact uh, was a uh, one that stands out. And... Um, I had, well, just a really simple, basic station. It wasn't this station that I did it. This was many years ago. Um, 
the uh, just a, a barefoot hundred watt radio and a simple inverted V dipole, and and I w made a uh, contact with a, an A fifty one station. It turned out to be he was an American that was in the Middle East operating there, but uh, it still it was uh, quite quite the thrill. I go back to my very first contact uh, as a novice and uh, on forty meters, and still remember shaking while trying to you know send out uh, Morse code on a, a J thirty eight straight key. So um, that one still I still remember and. Uh, but uh, never got a chance to talk to any, you know, famous, uh, super famous people like King Hussein or Barry Goldwater and uh, others like that. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, I, there, there, there's a lot of them and uh, it's, it's hard to pick out uh, any one particular one. Yeah, I agree. I think distance is my, you know, it's. Mm -hmm. a new antenna or I'm new to HF and I've told the story a few times about working New Zealand 5:30 in the morning here I don't remember what kind type of year uh, you know what season this was but I was on the Drake you know had it at, turned on she drifts a little bit after about 45 minutes she'll kind of lock in and I heard the guy in New Zealand I at best was putting out 100 watts. I mean, that's all I was going to ever get out of mm -hmm. that situation. It's still here. And it was a working thing. Like, he dug me out. He made others wait for me. It was one of those where you hear the ops, the zero station only. Like, And I remember mm -hmm. he said something like, you know, basically, if you step on my QSO with this guy, I'm not putting you in my log. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and, but I was like, kilo, zero, you know, it, it again, again, uh -huh. you know, he dug me out and he did a lot right. of heavy lifting. But I remember this was one of my first and it was like little things like Mexico, I'm like, Mexico, I'm going to work Mexico and I'll try to work it. New Zealand mm -hmm. came and I and I jumped out like after he confirmed it. I put the D104 down and jumped out of the chair, like right oh, yeah. in the spot, like thinking, whoa, that is the coolest because of the distance, you know. Plus, he, he moved distance. people aside for me just to work mm -hmm. me. And he could have said, I can't hear you. I'd, just call me in 10 minutes, or, you know, and I'd have been like, oh, all right. Oh, yeah. But he, he made it work. He made it. So that that for me is probably the top. People-wise, oh. I, I don't... You know, everybody's interesting. You know what I mean? I don't see like, oh, I got to work a famous ham or, you know, what that even means. It's distance. And then like 160 contest comes around. All the crap I put up with with this antenna throughout the year. And then that, I don't know, it's January or whatever the uh, single side band 160 is. And just seeing where I can go. Oregon. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I made it out to Oregon. That's cool. Like, um, so yeah, it's usually distance as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, uh, another contact just came into mind. It just kind of, well, there's always one of my favorite contacts on the air is our buddy, Phil. Right. And, and I got a chance, uh, to work a gentleman. He was in the Huntington beach area down where Ryan is. Uh, and, uh, he was, first license in 1936 he was 93 at the time and uh if 
I didn't think he was that old. I mean, it, the guy was sharp as a tack, and uh, we got a chance to chat on uh, 20 meters, and um, just the stories that I got to hear him, and, and the questions I was able to ask him on uh, what he saw on how the hobby has changed from back in 36, uh, building all his equipment, the testing that he had to go through and what he had to do, then the period through the war when amateur radio kind of went dark and then coming back on the air and then all the way up till, you know, this was a couple years ago that uh, we, we had this QSO, how he watched the technology change just in our hobby alone let alone everything else that has changed in, and the, you know, the space race going to the moon and, and things like that. Uh, so those contacts really, I like those talking to the, to our, our seasoned uh, amateurs that have been in the hobby for a long time and, you know, getting that information because once they're gone, you know, we, we lose that and hearing stories of what they went through to, uh, in the hobby and what they have accomplished, whether it's just, you know, getting on the air or, or building equipment to, or, or whatever. It's, I, I just love hearing it. And it's, and it, you know, I started thinking of Phil here and, uh, and how I just, always love hearing him on the air and as active as he is at uh, 80 i think he's 83 now mm -hmm. 83 84 and um it, you know working you know guys like that yeah we, you know the we talk about the hobby is full of uh, old timers and a lot of old guys but man there's a lot of history there and uh, we need to keep tapping into that and uh and learning those experiences that uh, these guys have done you know before us i mean we got it easy uh, today versus uh, what some of these guys went through. You know that o older demographic is also the demographic you don't hear a lot of the complaining from. You, of course, they're mm -hmm. enjoying every day they can on the radio right now. But when you find out they're older, I'm talking in their 80s and up, there's a different thing in their mind where I think they're just mm -hmm. enjoying this technology that they can actually still do it. They're capable of doing it. They're not complaining about the changes or the modes. It sort of washes away uh, from the, and it's just a different perspective from some that we often hear that mm -hmm. kind of get off my yard. They're <laughs> not, it's not those guys. And Phil, we no. talked about him. He had half of his antenna down. He's near the ocean up near Boston um, in Massachusetts, but uh, closer to the ocean. You know, at the time we started hearing from him every week, 82, 83 years old now, however he may be, just the happiest, nicest guy, and everything stands by when he calls in. Um, you may have a big pile up, and he, he'll call, and uh, he'll talk to you. It may be six, seven minutes, and everybody's mm -hmm. patiently standing by, and there's a respect and a reverence for that age demographic and phil just seems to be our guy now who's in that right. bracket oh and he knows steve and he's i'll tell christian this and last week little story wasn't really funny um because paul uh n2hyg is a net operator he's taking calls and he called for phil specifically to mm -hmm. give him the door like i will call for you and you come you don't have to try to get through this pileup or whatever, or wait for the numbers, however he was running. No comeback. 
And I have to tell you, Steve, my stomach dropped Mm -hmm. because he's always there. You know, he's always. And luckily, later on, he he called in. But that moment where he didn't come back, boy, I was like, oh, man. But that's how you know these people make an impact in your life. And we've never even met him face to face. No. But we just paused to to get him in, you know. So there you go. He's very real special uh, to me, and uh, I love hearing him on the air. Even if I don't have a chance to uh, talk with Phil, I just uh, happy to hear his voice on the air, and uh, and just hear just he's. It, if you get a chance, just join us on the uh, on the nets on Sunday evenings, and uh, and and listen out for uh, for for Phil there, and uh, and hopefully you'll get uh, the same enjoyment that i have when you uh, get to hear phil and if you ever get a chance to chat with him on the air please do and the guy's just incredible he's a military veteran who Mm -hmm. you know he had a great little story and he gives you little pages of it each time you learn a little bit more phil but he understands that i i probably need to keep it quick because you have others waiting (laughs) and we're all Mm -hmm. like no take your time what you're saying (laughs) it can teach us some things so but thank you for that question and if you get on the air Find these guys and just chat with them. They want to tell you their story and uh, ask questions um, because this is going to be sometimes the last chance you're going to have to chat with some of these guys. And unfortunately, you know, they something happens where they can't get on the air anymore. And uh, th- these are these guys are national treasures. And uh, so it uh, if you get a chance, chat with them and uh, don't worry about some of the other stuff and they get off my lawn kind of crowd they're 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 younger they're and they're in their uh, 70s the, they're just mm-hmm. you know yeah young, 60s and 70s guys. and they're just grumpy but once you hit 80 you're just kind of like hey i'm yeah, just happy, I'm just to, happy be to be here i'm i'm at my own home uh mm-hmm. steve and i secretly were developing a plan because we knew half of his antenna was down it was during the pandemic he's in a very vulnerable age uh group and we knew that but we were actively putting plans together to go to Massachusetts to fix his antenna, which I don't know how he got in with that crazy signal with half of it down, but it was amazing. But we never had to do that because a firefighter who lives across the street helped him hang his antenna back up. So we were all like, okay, cool. Okay. Back to normal. Everything's cool. All right. Well, thank you all so much. Appreciate you guys taking the time. I know we went in a little bit overtime today, but a uh, great young man at the top, uh, inspiring the work that he's doing for sure. And I can't wait to watch this, the the progress. You know, and it was the compassion. He's a young guy with compassion for people and for animals. Mm-hmm. What can mm-hmm. I possibly do? He said the animals, they didn't do anything. You know, they didn't do anything. They don't deserve this. <laughs> uh, sweet boy. Thank you for that. And then next thing you know, he's developing this technology to help guys like you out there uh, to, mm-hmm. to detect these things sooner so that window can be a little wider in, in preparation. So Good to have him here. Uh, the teacup special event. Love it. We've uh, created one to rival that now called Breweries Bre- on the Air. Breweries on the Air. Yep. And maybe even Wineries on the Air or Vino mm-hmm. on the Air for those that enjoy that. Bourbon on the Air. It's another Boda not a good name. If we could get away from these Oda names, 
<laughs> That'd be good. Let's do that. Let's come up with a new crafty name. But we will load up our gutters. We're going to do... Uh, this is our uh, this is our hobby and our service. Let's just have some fun. That's what I want to do. That's where I want to be at this age right now, Steve. Mm-hmm. More fun. Let's enjoy ourselves more. What else? What did we miss? Thank you to everybody who came in the, the chat today. I put the link for the Discord channel. It's small, just like uh, the channel is small. And there are different sections, different buckets, if you will, mm-hmm. for radio, amateur radio, uh, preparedness, you're into emergency stories, all these sorts of things in there. We've developed an EMI team that helps me do these special uh, coverage. We did that a couple nights ago when Uncle Paul and Pastor Joe were in the path of tornadoes doing firsthand reports on that situation. So lots of stuff to get into. Right now, go out and look at your gutters, unless it's raining, and, uh, and load them up. Let's load them up. What do we miss, Steve? Excellent. I think we got it all. So uh, don't forget to join us at Discord. If uh, if you don't know anything about it or know where to f- uh, find us, uh, just go into the uh, into the chat here. Uh, Christian has put up some links to the Discord group, and uh, it's a pretty low key. Uh, just to have fun and uh, enjoy, and uh, come and join us there in the Discord group. Yeah, Phil and is we there. have a, we have the uh, studio phone line. And uh, last week in Hawaii, uh, we stayed on, the, got into the studio phone line. So if you, if you ever want to get in and have just kind of a little uh, conference call or group call, just get into the, in the stu- studio phone line and, uh, and, and just go from there. It, you can set your uh, system up for a Vox or there's a PTT option. And, uh, but the, the audio is pretty good and it's you know, right there. And so, yeah, you were talking about like many people who don't get to check into the net, you know, we're Mm -hmm. live streaming during the net. So uh, usually I'll I'll fire up the engines, we'll live stream, we'll watch the operators work. But also, if you don't have a radio or maybe you're traveling, we also have now the Discord audio. We can bring you in and kind of uh, share that evening with you as well. There's our, uh, you know. A community that uh, only have technician class license. You know, we always talk about HF nets and everything. Well, you know, we're not doing a 10 meter net right now, but there's also folks that don't have HF equipment and can't because of their where they live, HOAs, or or their circumstances. Right. And uh, and here's another possibility where we can uh, do a little uh, uh, group call or gathering on Discord. We'll have to kind of you know. Uh, vet that out a little bit and try to figure out how to go but so there's you know something else we can uh, probably leverage and uh, get some more interest uh, going so uh, but just come and join us on discord all right you got it check it out you got it seven three everybody we appreciate you coming thanks to everybody from amateur radio newsline thanks to sidecar steve and ryan and uh, specifically you guys for being there we appreciate you and uh, enjoy our time we spend together on saturdays Catch up with you real soon. 7-3, friends. 7-3, all To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsinawire.com.